Hello and welcome back to Women Who Sport podcast. It's been a while, but we're back with a brand new series. We've called the series the Unlocked series. Uh, we're doing it in conjunction with Women Sports Trust and talking to athletes on their Unlocked program, which I was super lucky to be part of and just met lots of really inspiring people, which kind of inspired the series. We also thought that, you know, we had the lockdown series. We would back up with the Unlocked series when we we're all out of lockdown, but that hasn't gone quite according to plan. As we're now entering a new four-week lockdown, but (laughs) we will continue. (laughs) Yeah, we're just going to roll with it. Um, And this series is supported by two awesome partners. So our first partner is Locker Stash Rugby. They're good humans. They have a website. They pretty much sell pre-love rugby kit and do lots of good things for charity as well. And we're fortunate enough to be um, brand ambassadors for them as well. Our second partnership is with Boob Armour, credible company. They've pretty much designed boob support for high impact sport. Um, and again, it's something that hasn't really been looked at into too much, especially over in the UK. So we're buzzing to, to get on board with them. And Susie's a pretty awesome lady too. Yeah, they're just two awesome brands. We're so excited to be working with them. And yeah, like if you want to support us, then support them. If they can get more followers and like increase their profile and stuff through our podcast, then everybody wins. Uh, so yeah, please check them out. That's Locker Stash Rugby and Boob Armour. They're like all over Instagram. So you can find links to their sites from there. And we're going to introduce like a little new segment that we're going to do in our introduction. We're going to call it Roundup of the Week. We're basically, we're going to, share like a high and a low each from the women's sports world in the past week because I think you know if we want to celebrate success but also I think with some of the things that goes on if you don't laugh you'll cry so (laughs) exactly and neither of us know what kind of little segments we're going to bring to the table so it's going to be quite exciting I'm looking forward to hearing what Rona Rona's found (laughs) and discovered (laughs) I've got a good one (laughs) right so I'm going to go my low of the week first yeah Um, and going to go for the fact that rugby's restarted the aliens prem so excited but there's only one game being streamed by the league each week like there's live rugby on there's an audience that are desperate for live rugby and yet there's one game a week and people like sail sharks are streaming their own games saracens are streaming their own games which is absolutely awesome but like we want to see all four games every week yeah i completely agree um like there's no reason why all of the women's games can't be streamed. And if you think about it, the games that are streamed are getting a lot of following. The, the, the kind of need and hunger for the women's game to be streamed is there. Well, the, the Scotland-France women's match, that got like, what, 3.3 million viewers on French TV? Yeah, on French TV alone. So that doesn't kind of cover anyone that was watching it in the UK which is pretty cool so like the audience is absolutely there Uh, do you want to go for your low first and then we can finish on highs finish on highs that's a good way okay so my low is um on Nolly Nolly Waterman she made her debut commentary for the men's Italy v Ireland Six Nations game and had a hell of a lot of abuse on Twitter after it Twitter trolls literally went to town essentially saying, why is women commentating on a men's game? Um, that is my low. Like, there's no need for it. She has got, like, world champion medals to her name, Olympic kudos. Like, she knows what she's speaking about. It's just, in my opinion, disgusting that that's even a thing. Oh, totally agreed. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, yeah, she's got all the accolades, as you said. And she's got her own podcast, Try Hard. Like, she's, yeah, she deserves it, absolutely. 100%. So that actually brings us very nicely on to my high of the week. So <laughs> I was stuck between this and when the co- when the French nine tackled you and the commentator said David takes down Goliath because that just <laughs> tickled me. We don't need to remind people about that situation. <laughs> I got up from that tackle. It was like as if the smallest person on the pitch has just ended me. <laughs> <laughs> they hit hard. Um, so anyway, I'm going to go for Boda is... Well, Bonds knows Boda. So Boda is just like a lightning rugby, England rugby super fan. And I think we've kind of converted her into a Scottish rugby super fan. Um, but anyway, she, when the England men's team sheet came out, she like took it upon herself to tweet about the men like people tweet about the women. So she quote tweeted the team and I'm going to read the tweet out to you. Who cares? Nobody cares about men's rugby. Wait, do men play rugby? Do they play the same rules as women? They're too ugly to play rugby. 
Can we at least get male models to showcase their kit? Male commentators, they know nothing and their voices are too deep. Twats. And then her next one was like, <laughs> the same photo. I'd like them all to get back in the kitchen and make me a fucking sandwich, frankly. Hashtag nobody cares. Go on, Boda. What like, a class lady. <laughs> take a bow. That, that's a good high. Yeah, that's a really good high of the week. Oh, yeah. And actually, it's the same. Oh, now I'm just bringing in more lows of the week, which is not necessary. But like England winning the Six Nations and Sky Sports putting it on their Instagram. And people are literally like, yeah, nobody cares. Like, like how do I stop seeing women rugby? Like, <laughs> yeah, it is mad. It's ridiculous. What like people are still people still got warped. Yeah, so it's reality. I think, in my opinion, and their profile pictures are always cars, cars or eggs. Yeah, <laughs> they're the eggs that haven't quite made it to get a profile picture yet. Yeah, they'll have like forty six followers. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> oh man, makes me rage. So my high of the week is that 2020 campaign in Ireland. If you can't see it, you can't be it. Or the kind of tag is something along those lines. I think that's just super powerful. And they're starting to do some really cool things over there. Did you see their video that was like, the, it was like women's rugby through the ages? Yeah. Oh, I cried. Literally so emotional. <laughs> really, really good. Yeah, they're doing so some good. brilliant things. Sweet. Right. And... Last thing before we get into the episode, we've still got Sharon Martin playing our theme tune, um, is that this week we're chatting to Lucy Adams. So Lucy was GB's first professional female skateboarder and she's just been like absolutely trailblazing in terms of the skate scene in the UK and in Europe. She was chair of GB Skateboarding, like she's super passionate about getting more women involved and about growing the sport and yeah I just think that she's like an extremely cool person. Oh, and very last thing, Bonds basically lost her voice when we were recording the episode last week. We were going to record it, then we delayed it for her voice to come back, and then it didn't. So eventually we were like, it's happening. We commit, we're going for it. And yeah. to be fair, it's still not quite back, but it's a lot better than it was when we recorded this episode. So I do apologise. Yeah, Bonds just doesn't say a lot. Well, you, you actually, you came off mute to chat about Avril Lavigne, which I respected. <laughs> Childhood hero, what can I say? And we're back on mute. But that was basically all Bonner said in the episode, so it's a lot of my accent to put up with. Always be proud of who you are. Gotta hold your head up high. Don't let this moment pass you by. You can be anything you believe you can be. This world is waiting just for you. So go and shine and live the truth. You can be anything you believe you can be. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me and Bonds. We're absolutely buzzing about having you here. Uh, we're wondering if you could start with just telling us about how you first got into skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, I started skateboarding in 1997 when I was 13. And at the time I was like a keen swimmer. Um, I swam for Crawley Swimming Club, um, which was sort of my local, local club. Um, and the pool was a really big building, um, leisure centre type affair in the centre of town and out the back of the leisure centre they were building some like wooden structures and you could see them from the pool and so it was like quite interesting like weeks like a couple of weeks went by and we could all see that there were people out there doing this building and then it turned out that they were ramps um, but a bit more than ramps that I'd seen like I had seen skate ramps but really um, just real basic things like a, a, a metal ramp in a field and things like that um, but this was like a, a loads of structures in a skate park so I had roller skates and I'd been on a ramp before on roller skates and I said to mum oh next time I go swimming I'm taking my roller skates they built some ramps at, at the swimming pool and she was like uh well you'll go there for swimming so we'll see um, and uh, I think I took them along and I went round there and it wasn't really officially open, but there were loads of boys and guys in there. I think they were still doing some bits, but there was a big hole in the fence. So I climbed in and they they, they were all on skateboards pretty much or bikes. 
And I remember sort of a couple of them. I remember watching and thinking, oh, my God, that's amazing. And then a couple of them did speak to me and sort of said, you can't you can't go on these ramps with the roller skates. It's just not possible. Like you must have a skateboard. And and I was like, Dad, I need a skateboard. Like, it's really cool. And he was like, oh, uh, I think one of my um, one of my members of staff used to do that. Like, Let me ask him. And so basically sort of hooked me up with this secondhand board for a bit. And I remember just sort of learning on my nan's pathway in her garden because it was sort of relatively smooth and my garden only really had grass. Um, just sort of going up and down, backwards and forwards and then just started taking it to the to the skate park. And I've seen in an interview with Sidewalk that there was some crossover with your like swimming and skating life. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it got a bit more like a, I would do it sort of just before I'd, I'd be dropped off at swimming or my, my, my whoever would sort of take me, would drop me off and I'd, I'd beg to go a bit earlier so I could go around to the ramps first. Um, but if if you were having like a good session or I was like buzzing off of skating, I would think, oh, no, I don't really want to go to the pool. I don't want to go up and down. It's not it's nowhere near as fun. And so I'd sort of go in, rinse my costume under the tap and wet my hair down so that when I got home or I got picked up, I'd look like I'd been swimming. That was um, brilliant. And you never got caught doing that. I never got caught, but I've, I think that that was years of guilt, like weighing me down. <laughs> and I had some friends. So sometimes like my mum would be the dropper offer and then their mum would be like the picker upper and stuff like that. And um, they, I remember them saying to me, like, it's really not cool what you're doing. Like, you know, you should be in there swimming. The coach knows that you didn't come swimming. <laughs> and I, and I, I must admit, like, yeah, because I, I knew obviously we paid for swimming. So it did make me feel, I did feel bad. But when I was in it, I was like, oh. Oh, so. got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So parents were paying for swimming lessons. You were going to the skate park. Friends were lying for you. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite an ingenious plan as like a 14 year old. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if that was the worst that I got up to as a 14 year old, I think that's pretty good going. Oh, yeah. oh, look yeah. at you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that was what's happening. From when you first started skateboarding, how long was it until you started competing? So, that local skate park, Crawley, um, because it was quite a good one and again, like a, it was quite big. They had their own, the, the, the guys that got it built and, and some, like, I don't know, members of the council and stuff come together to sort of put on local jams there. So I my first ones were sort of getting involved in the local local jams there and stuff. But then I think it was in a, a, around about 2000, there was a large event in Birmingham called King of Street. And the, the, the word just got out at the time because obviously the internet wasn't really big and people didn't communicate via it by like local shops local skate shops and stuff like I guess the word sort of got out to them as, as in like if you know a girl that skates there's going to be this big competition and so um my local shop uh, was street talk in Red Hill and I remember them sort of saying to me oh there's going to be this comp and it's going to be in Birmingham and you should go so I again like asked dad so if he'd be up for sort of taking me and, and he was and because he, he just really liked watching he's a man of all sports and just likes watching sport and he, he loved that that he could watch people and that, that they were so good at this thing and so he was like yeah yeah we'll go we'll go so we went up there and um, I took part in that which was really good I, I'm pretty sure it was sponsored by Tammy Girl if you know what that was. Tammy Girl yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it, it was really funny um there wasn't many of us I think there was like a handful of us that competed I remember um it was myself I remember a girl from the Isle of Wight Julie she came up for it um and then maybe sort of four or five others so there wasn't many of us um but it was amazing was skateboarding competitions was it regulated in like a league or whatever? Or was it literally like skate parks put it on their own jams and hopefully there was a women's competition? Yeah, that's right. And um, there's never been any sort of structure in skateboarding. So people that just put on jams and comps and whatever, I think they'd add a sort of uh, a women's division if they knew of any sort of local or if there was, you know, if there was someone around, then they'd do it. Um, and then the sort of, it would try and be sort of word of mouth to get others to come along and, and enter too 
And then we did get to quite a sort of a, a core scene of, of girls and women that were up for sort of trying to do these things and would travel about a bit more. And you, you did get to like skate professionally. Am yeah, I right in thinking do. that? Yes. Yeah, the... I mean, professionally in, in so much of a sense as I get a little bit of money, but not enough to make a living. Yeah, like I think it's so interesting how skateboarding works in terms of it's like brands that like sponsor athletes, isn't it? Yeah. So how would you be able to tell us like, yeah, basically how that works and how like professional skateboarders operate? Yeah, sure. I mean, so yeah, there's a lot of different levels of, of it, of professional skateboarding that go on. Um, but essentially it's kind of like a really informal talent pathway whereby like local shops and, and like local brands or um, a local skate park or that may be like an indoor private facility will kind of identify some maybe younger it doesn't even have to be younger but just some talented sort of skaters and then generally they get flowed some product and that and that's kind of the way it starts and you're a sponsored skater so I think that sort of is what happened to me in a sense of my lo local shop they had their own brand called 360 clothing at the time they made just sort of like reasonable price denim because a lot of the American brands were really expensive jeans that you were just going to rip a hole in the knee and we didn't have Primark and H&M and things like that then you know jeans are expensive I think <laughs> so 360 sort of were hooking me up in a sense of giving me some t-shirts and, and whatever to wear um, as it sort of goes on you then generally the kind of the next step is is being on a board brand so the deck the wooden the wooden deck that you'd ride um, and sometimes there are like British brands um, that have teams of people. And, and generally, it's quite a tight knit crew, kind of like a, a family, a crew of people that go skating together quite a lot. It doesn't always happen that way because some brands want to have riders up in the north, riders in the south and all over. But it's generally like you'd come together to do certain things like make clips and videos and things like that and, 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 and go on trips and tours and things like that. But then. Uh, sometimes you can be on an American brand that's distributed over here. So it's a big American brand, but obviously the boards come over here to get sold in the shops here. So you'd get on a flow for them. And again, you're still a sort of a sponsored skateboarder at that point. Where the money sort of comes in is usually a shoe sponsor. We used to just have like skater own shoe brands were, were big in skateboarding, but around, I don't know, at some point in two th early 2000s, the big players came in and Nike, Adidas, Converse, New Balance are all well embedded in skateboarding now. And generally, if you're on one of their teams and you're getting some product, the next sort of little level is to be paid some money. That usually means that you get to travel, you get some travel budget. And so you can go and film a clip and take some photos for an article in a magazine, a skateboarder magazine. And then the real sort of word of turning pro really relates to when your board brand puts your name on a board, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be professional in a sense that you're paid and you're made a living. You just, you turn pro because your name is now on a board. Um, and sometimes that's a surprise. The board brand will turn you pro as a surprise because they think that you've like put the effort in and you've made some really good skate videos. You've been in lots of magazines and you, you know, you're out there supporting them and they want to support you. And then sometimes that process can be uh, you collaborate on it because you, you want the graphic as well. You want the graphic to be something meaningful. You might be an artist yourself. So some people do their own graphics for it. Um, but that's really when you're called a professional, when you've got your name on a skateboard. That's cool. Imagine having your own board with your name on it. Yeah. <laughs> you us writing our name on it. <laughs> you do, don't you? Your board is the, the love and skate one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've had three pro boards now. So yeah. 2017, uh, they turned me pro. Um, but uh, Stu, the guy that runs Love and Skate, he told me he was going to do it. So that was kind of cool because he said, I want you to have the chance to work on it. Um, I'm no artist, um, but there's like, I have ideas and things like that. I can't draw. Um, so, so yeah, he gave me the chance and we sort of got an artist on board that I really liked and he really liked that had done some graphics before for Love and Skate. And then we, we sort of made the, um, the first one, which was a white, all white board um, with an owl, sort of a camouflage owl on the bottom. So I like camo. Um, and yeah, that one was really, really cool. 
And I've seen your, so your most recent board is the, it's got the slogan, I'm about to swear in the podcast, I'm the queen of fucking everything, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely <laughs> love it, yeah. So how did you come up with that? Yeah, well, the second one was another sort of a camo, it was an all full camo dip with a kingfisher on it. So I had had two birds and, and Stu sort of came to me about the third one and said like, right, it's, it's time for another board, let's do one in 2020. Um, and should we do something different like um, I'm really into sort of slogans and words and stuff but like Love and Skate have a, a, a sticker that's always and, and has done boards and t-shirts as well real men skate curbs and real girls skate curbs and uh, there's there's been other ones uh, crails not bales and lots of different things like play on words um, we put the tea in team um, lo- lots of different things um, so he he sort of show, introduced me by way of social media links to an artist um, called Ida, and she'd got loads of different things like loads of statements and stuff, and did loads of kind of really cool, big bold art. And he said like, do you like any of that? Like maybe we could talk to her. And he said he he knew her, so he said oh we could talk to her and see if she could do something kind of custom and and whatever. And I said oh no let me just look through and I I saw that one and I just thought like it's really funny and he said like let's try and do something controversial and I said I don't know if it's controversial but it's definitely like let's let's do it and if we can get gold black and sparkles on a board um that'll be (laughs) dope yeah like amazing love it and it's really interesting like in skateboarding like part of being pro is like having this media presence and like doing yeah like shoots for magazines and stuff like it's almost like that influencer side of it is like totally intertwined with also doing it as as a sport Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's really it is really checked me out when we were at the first ever unlocked thing I don't know if you were there and and somebody did the BBC sport Instagram um, or social media little session for us and they said uh, what are the top three sports on Instagram or top four sports on Instagram and like I just put my hand up and I said skateboarding and and it is one and I think it is just the way that we skateboarders are like you you want to do your stuff like you want to progress and you you want to learn it for you and you want to get better because the more tricks the more strings to your bow like the better you can go to a different place and skate and just feel really good and confident and and use all the features in the skate park but you also want to put that stuff out there and you want people to rate you it's like it's so it just is part and parcel of, of skating. I mean, not everybody's like that, but you'll generally see, like, if you go to skate park, there's people with a phone out filming each other and it, it goes straight online, like, as soon as possible if you've, if you've landed something good or if you've done something that you want everyone to see that day. Or, I mean, that's more nowadays with Instagram and social media, but what it used to be was that you'd work for years on a project to film your best bits and put them together in what's called a section or a part. And then that would make up a, a longer video with your teammates generally. So it was always about documenting what you'd done and usually what you'd done in the streets. The spots that you skate also have such an impact into those the production of the video so it isn't just about going to the skate park and filming your best tricks because that's quite bland but that's all right for instagram you can put it on there but you generally want to go out and like uh, attack some architecture that's not really meant for skateboarding but it's meant for skateboarding to us like how could you not see that that's the most skatable bank in front of the law courts that you know it's prime for it and you want to go out there and do a trick but you want to film it because it also looks beautiful did you ever like feel pressured to look a certain way or like do things a certain way to conform to that like instagrammable skateboarding well for me it was way it was before that so yes I think because there has there weren't many female skateboarding role models to look up to I guess that certain magazines and people that were in touch with me I felt I felt like there was a pressure from maybe like the road that surfing was going down at the time um, which was very much sort of like looking the part looking like a model um, and being able to surf and or like using models in their campaigns and so I did feel like I should keep long hair and and certainly like 
wear slightly more feminine skater clothes than I wanted to. There was definitely a time when I went through that. And I think that that's because some of the brands that were covering it or did have like female riders, they look a bit like that kind of ideal, I guess, that was in my head of like, you should have longer hair. You should probably wear a tighter T-shirt. Um, Avril Lavigne. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, in a sense, that sort of kind of look was definitely one that I think that skater girls were seen to seem to look like but my favorite skaters wore like big baggy clothes and their hats backwards and stuff and that's how I wanted to look well I think that's real cool that you like experienced that growing up but now you're just so yourself and stuff and younger skaters now do have a British role model whereas I imagine 20 years ago when you were skating they didn't yeah, there's definitely like loads more. And and again, like going back to the board, like what I didn't say about the board was like I felt like there was this like there's this whole swell and rise of of women and girls in skateboarding right now. And again, I thought that was it was kind of a cool thing to put out in terms of something that they could just I don't know, maybe it was sort of celebrating our time there this year. And I know like this year hasn't been great in all respects, but for lots of people taking part in skateboarding like it's really kind of come on um and you go to a park now and sometimes I'm I'm going to parks at like 7am because I'm doing some lessons and stuff as well and the other day there was eight eight girls there and four boys when I left and it was like it's incredible like that they're meeting down there at like 8am they want to get a quiet time in before it gets busy and but it's yeah it's just really cool that I, I guess uh lost the point to that well that, that, it's really cool that that's happening yeah <laughs> and that there are so many girl skaters yeah yeah that kind of like brings us on nicely to what we wanted to go into next which was your role as the chair of skateboard england and skateboard gb um, and i know that one thing that you were passionate about with that was like creating more spaces for female skaters when i started i was sort of the only woman or girl in that space most of the time I was kind of a, a sporty girl with a, a sporty mum and a, a sporty dad. And I had quite a lot of confidence in those areas. I think that playing other sports had given me, but not everybody has that, has that about them. And so sometimes like, like I wanted to skate. I was able to try it. Like I, I had roller skates before I went to roller discos, which at the time weren't I think were quite sort of gender balanced like there was loads of people used to go to my local roller disco and it was all sorts of people it it was really fun so I kind of had that moving on wheels thing Um, but also as I said like I went on my nan's pathway backwards and forwards backwards and forwards trying to get used to this skateboarding thing and like gain some kind of skill before I went into that skate park because I knew that skate park was full of men and boys and I needed something to be able to do it. Like, I wouldn't say necessarily I was intimidated, but I felt like I had to have something behind me, some foundation to be able to go in there and be brave enough to go like, this is me, I can go along on this skateboard. But not everybody's like that. And some people like would really want to do it, but that's too overwhelming. Like, why would you even buy one and do it on your nan's path if you're still too like intimidated to go into that busy space with like all different ramps and people moving at all different paces and not just on skateboards obviously on bmx's and scooters as well there's so many kids now that scooter there's like probably handfuls of eight-year-olds in there now as well like that are flying about and so if you're a teenage uh teenage woman going in that space it's like oh it's it's hard I think um so it's, it's absolutely necessary to be able to create more spaces and environments for people just to kind of give it a go and work up their skills and and develop some level of confidence that makes them feel like they can then go to that place you know that's generally the women and girls only sessions that have been happening all around the country I just kind of back that and those sessions are, oh, we're seeing so many people at them. I think um, a skate park in Nottingham 
two weeks ago had their monthly girls night and they reported 75 women and girls turned up and and that does so much for people that is just creating such a community of of people and there's pockets of different women and girls in those sessions that then will obviously go I I told you last time that I'd tried to skate over lockdown (laughs) that was my she made a friend that's like 10 years old (laughs) yeah my best friends are so I'm not good for the record but even like from the times I was going to the skate park even if there was like two other girls there I would just feel so much better although saying that like most of the I don't know negativity that I felt was it wasn't from skateboards it was from like mainly BMXers and those eight-year-olds on scooters they're intimidating (laughs) but yeah I just think that like the skating community was very welcoming but you do just feel better and yeah this one day this girl showed up to the skate park she was 12 her name was Rebecca and she it was her like first time there so I knew nothing but basically she thought that I was like the best skater in the world (laughs) so I was like yeah like totally faking it but it made me feel good about myself for a day so (laughs) it worked yeah but that's so sick though and then yeah I mean you're just sort of developing those little relationships like the girls that um that I've been seeing at Crawley like you know they can barely look my way at the beginning but you know it just takes me you know a couple of different like oh yeah that was sick and then they're like laughing giggle embarrassedly <laughs> and then by the end I'm saying like right cool see you see you next week that is probably cool like so I surf but then the, at least when you go to a beach you've got so much space to kind of get away from crowds whereas yeah. I can't imagine in this skate park there's just that one area that's quite tough yeah and again so that's back to your bit about spaces it's it, when we create in stuff we're trying to also like in the sort of facilities guidance that we're putting out is think about areas and, and space and design of skate parks that lend themselves to different ability levels and and different genders and different users of the park I suppose um, in a sense that let, let's not build every skate park the same way but let's not build every skate park that requires everybody to have to sort of drop in because how would a wheelchair get up there and roll in or um, if the smallest drop in in the park is six foot then that's not really very inclusive to people learning to do it which everybody's got to go through that learning to do it so let's try and get something in there free foot but let's also think about the actual just the space of the skate park if we're going to pack it with ramps what about all those people that just want to come and push along the bottom just to get better at that and then try and start making the basic moves like so for you taking on that role as chair of skateboard england gb was that to make those positive changes like to make skateboards more accessible and to grow the sport no (laughs) i'd say at the beginning it was very much because there was nobody else that was really willing to do that so we didn't have a governing body for obvious reasons that skateboarding has never really felt the need to have one it's not a a big structured sport um so in about 2015 it was before it was announced in the olympics but we we kind of knew um something was coming there was a feeling that uh, facilities is a big one there's a lot of local councils out there that were still putting in substandard facilities still just ticking boxes um and spending money on stuff that was just not well used not well designed and therefore not well used Um, and when you get it right you will see especially because Rona you've been like you will see the skate park is such a busy thriving area of of different ages different genders different users it can be it's just an amazing place with everybody learning and learning differently and it's, it's amazing and so if the council were getting like 50 grand or whatever and then just plopping a ramp on a field that was just from a, a, a catalogue of play equipment and that wasn't really well used and then it got burnt down and then the village were able to say see we tried but look at them youths burning the skate park down uh well you you put something in that was really not it was it was never going to get well used so um so, yeah, so we felt back then like, right, if that's the one thing that we sort of come together to try and get right for the future, that would really help. Um, 
and I, I guess at the time the, the the group of us that sort of formed the NGB were just like who's going to be the sort of the, the leader of this and no one really wanted to do it <laughs> so it was me by default that's cool but we uh speaking of youngsters as well we hear you're kind of stepping down because you've got a wee one on the way yeah I did step I stepped down of July this year yeah that's pretty exciting when's it due 10 days oh, wow. oh my god I did not realize that I feel so bad for me to come on the podcast now that's okay it's okay no, it's all good um yeah so yeah yeah my wife is is carrying she's due in 10 days so, so how long until the baby starts skating well I don't know I mean if you if you're on Instagram there's a couple of crazy kids um autumn uh she's three I think she's four now actually but she is killing it she's she's based on the south coast of England um and she's absolutely mad you should check her out um obviously Sky is 12 but she started around four or five I think so I don't know I'll give him some time but I swear kids have like a superpower with skating because like dropping in is terrifying and yeah I've seen Autumn that the Autumn's a three-year-old isn't it and yeah. I'm like why can this three-year-old Fearly. do that's right they haven't got fear yet no. <laughs> no, they've not developed it <laughs> the center of gravity is so low um and uh, yeah I guess like you're so close to the floor like you're never gonna fall like well you might but you're you're less likely to d- take a one of those massive ones where your legs just go and you either just go to elbow or hip or shoulder or because you're just small and like crouched up and I, that's I, it I'm too yeah. tall that's why I can't do it <laughs> I just I do yeah I mean you you go rigid as well like they don't go they don't go rigid they're just sort of like they're all in it they've got soft knees and and they're just way more prepared to just go wrong I think or focus more on not going wrong whereas it creeps into our mind I suppose yeah that's true we focus more on what the what ifs and they're just like whoa let's go true Um, with as you've mentioned Sky, um, she's chosen to compete for GB the Olympics, which is like absolutely awesome. And like I've seen that she's kind of credited you for that happening, which is amazing. So how yeah, basically how did you manage to get like <laughs> one of the best skateboarders in the world to choose GB? Because yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, um, so Sky came over. I always mess the year up, but Sky Sky came over with her dad and her brother in maybe 2016 or I think or maybe before that um and came she came over to Britain obviously because dad's British and still has some family here I believe and they came over but that we have a large skateboarding competition called NAS festival and it happens in the Bath and West showground every year and has a a sort of a massive massive BMX and skateboarding competition lots of international people come and the women and girls part of that competition was always quite big in a sense that it it paid reasonable prize money um still not equal um but it paid reasonable prize money and attracted quite a few um, girls from Europe and some from the states have been before so this one year Sky came over I think she was eight um she came to that comp so got chatting with her and dad obviously and just sort of developed a relationship and kept in touch. Um, Sky beat me in that competition when she was eight. I came third, she came second. And uh, uh, a really good girl called Andrea Benitez from Spain came first. Um, And it was amazing. It was really, really fun. And then, yeah, we kept in touch. And Stu, her dad, got in touch when the announcement was made in 2016 that skateboarding would be in the Olympics and just said, oh, um, we're kind of up for this um but if we would were to be she's very young and loves skateboarding loves surfing and I wouldn't want anything to sort of stop the way she sees them and the way that she participates and the way she wants to do we just want it to be a thing that we could take or leave depending on how it goes and I I was like yeah well don't come looking for a well-oiled machine in a national governing body here because we're just sort of starting our starting our journey and finding our feet and and seeing how we're going really we're not set up we don't have a program we don't have much support we can give at all but absolutely happy to 
be the sort of the vehicle where if Sky wants to go and compete in these comps that she can do it for us and when we get more support and when we get more learnings from UK Sport and EIS and whoever we'll pass that on and we'll, we'll just do our best for her and, and for yourself and he was like that sounds really good to me I mean I think their other option was obviously Japan and so I think that there was like a feeling that it would be a lot more rigid um, if she went there and it would be a lot more a lot more pressure of it being Tokyo as well obviously um, and so would there would it potentially impact on her just like love of wanting to do it and at the time as well like he was like you know she's really good at surfing too and she could end up being in the Olympics for surfing we don't know and so we wouldn't want somebody to like, impose upon her one or the other or say like you've got to take this seriously and I was like no fine like cool do both for all I get like it, it's going to be great let's go let's do it like how inspiring she's going to be just if however far she gets to a million girls is is way better than you know whatever so so yeah that's where we where we were and where we are now is that she's just gone from like strength to strength and just absolutely been thriving in competition she loves it like she's just been getting she can't wait to go to the, the comps she can't wait to get into practice and like be with all the other girls because obviously it's not normal to be around that many good girls all the time um, and she sees her friends from Japan when she goes to all of them and she's got loads of friends in Brazil now too and so yeah I think Sky's normal is hanging out with Tony Hawk so like yeah so now <laughs> that's her new normal um, so yeah so they made the move to to America and so yeah now I mean it's just incredible to see how she's able to like have a mentor in Tony Hawk a mentor in Christian Hasoy she's able to go to these places that none of us would ever be like dream of skating when we were that old like it would be a dream to go on ramps like that she is gonna she's the best one of the best in the world that that's so cool, cool. and uh, talking of kind of professionalization of the sport and it kind of going into the olympics do you think that's going to change how the sport's funded yeah because <laughs> we're um we're kind of uh we've just handed in a well, obviously I've stepped down, but I'm still sort of working on the strategy with Skateboard GB right now. And we've just handed in a, a bid to UK Sport for the next cycle. So for the Paris cycle, um, and we've like fingers crossed to, to receive some sort of injection of funding to help us kind of develop more of a program and pathway. And we kind of put some ideas of what that looks like, but made sure it's in there of what it looks like for skateboarding. Um, and not turn skateboarding into some kind of other sport that's uh, or not follow other sports of what they've done before um, obviously we've got some kind of similarities with snowboarding as they've gone yeah. in and we're able to draw from some of those people some of those people that helped them on their journey I sort of feel that what's really good about being able to hopefully access funding like that is that we can develop things and really support some people in their goals to reach like their potential but what hopefully it will also do is just bring skateboarding up with it so you know for for little rona that wants to be really good and go to an olympics with her skateboarding in, in five years um we could try and support her but in order to do that skateboarding has to come up in a sense that we need more competitions in this country and because if we need more competitions in this country we need more people to be judges of competitions we need more people to put on the events so we need some MCs to do that like do that well we need the skate parks to be able to uh, have some more different ramps in their park and so hopefully that is going to help some individuals but it's going to help the rest of skateboarding as well um and whether that other bit is funded through more corporate sponsors like skateboarding sort of traditionally been done, I don't know, but hopefully it will help. Yeah, it's such an like interesting journey for a sport to be on, like going from this kind of like street sport to an, like an Olympic sport, which is considered, well, yeah, then it is an elite sport. The holy grail. <laughs> yeah, which is amazing. Which is crazy because it's not really for skateboarding. No, that's so true. <laughs> 
So, I mean, it, I, I, I sense that it will be for certain people within skateboarding at, at some point. Um, but right now, it's not the be all and end all. Yeah, what is the be all? Like, what is the pinnacle of of skateboarding? Um, it, it is kind of different for who, for what kind of skateboarding you're in. Because if you are um, are a sort of a skateboarder that likes to compete, then I I suppose it's really sort of like X Games and those big events like that but for most people for the majority of people even if you skate ramps or you skate street it's to film like your best bits and have your best part come out within a video and to be in magazines be on the front cover of Frasher have an article with lots of different photos that you've shot of your best bits and that's generally it how has like the skateboarding community reacted to the Olympics? Was it excitement or was it like our sport doesn't need this? The loudest ones would sort of, okay, I guess what you hear is the people that are more of the, the kind of the negative side of it and say like, we don't need this. Like why? Like they need us more than we need them because the ones that are just okay with it and generally indifferent don't really make a lot of noise. But there there wasn't, I guess there wasn't like a wholehearted like celebration of being, <laughs> like it wasn't like everybody went, yes, thank God. Um, it was generally you heard, oh God, like, well, that's gonna ruin skateboarding or, or most people just going, oh, well, it, it'll be what it will be. Um, and I think those people do kind of see that there, there hopefully will be the benefits in terms of like sort of what I described a minute ago, that we can support a lot of other bits of skateboarding because of it. We can try and get better facilities, more facilities, and just kind of upskill and kind of bring skateboarding along with us in a sense it, it doesn't need to be like these two separate bits of skateboarding like olympic skateboarding and then skateboarding um hopefully it can sort of all remain as as one but i don't know anyway the people that really 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 dis really dislike it i mean that's kind of cool as well because then you get the sort of you still get the really cool like gnarly skateboarding like the polar opposites are really great for, for some something like skateboarding because it's not all the same and there's so many variations of it there's variations of what you can do in skateboarding like what tricks you do or like how you dress um what you skate like do you so there's some people that would be like like i'm not skating a skate park like that's no i'm not going there i'm going to just skate in the street um time will tell yeah exactly yeah but it's so cool for gb to have like sky is there representative when she's got yeah a bloody good shot there so it's really cool yeah we really can't wait to see we can't wait to see like how she's going to do in the sort of the next comp because the the last qualifier was sort of before she was really really kind of hanging out at tony's place hanging out at elliot sloan's place and the progression sort of throughout lockdown i guess with her being sort of able to stay in one place and focus because she's such a well-traveled young person that she's always on the go and she's always having to skate in different places but she's just been able to kind of set down and and focus in and, and really like get on with learning some amazing new moves and so the next qualifier but loads of the other girls have had that too and and so it's just going to be really cool to see that next qualifier whenever it happens how everybody's just progressed and it's going to go off it's going to go wild I think Love it. So good. Thanks so much for sharing all that about the Olympics. I'm like absolutely buzzing for it. I think it's going to be such a good spectator sport. So to finish with the series, we're going to have, we're calling it Juicy Cues. We did it in our first series, but basically it ended up taking like 45 minutes because we asked so many <laughs> questions. So we've, we've tried to go for one word answers. Okay. Sweet. Five questions. Right. Right, Bonner, I'll kick off to save your, <laughs> save your voice. Okay, so... First one's a would you rather, and it's speak all of the languages or play all of the instruments. Play all of the instruments. Just make really cool songs. Yeah, it's okay. cool, isn't it? Yeah. We'll accept that. <laughs> <laughs> what 
What is your coffee order? Oh, I don't drink hot drinks. No, that is fine because I'm forcing myself to because I feel like I need to do it to be more adult. But this is inspiring me me. that I don't. That happened to me when I was like, obviously I've had real jobs all my life, but when I got like a job and had meetings with people, like everyone would get a coffee or a tea and I'd get a hot chocolate and then I just started drinking too many hot chocolates. Yeah, that is me. Yeah, that's Rona. She'll get and, a coffee and put like yeah. a bag of sugar in it, and I'm like, that defeats the purpose. So I just just drink like a squash after squash after squash after squash. Because then you end up having like three hot chocolates a day to be social, and you're like, yeah. I don't need to do this. I shouldn't be doing that. Okay, question number three: If you're on the Bake Off, what would your speciality be? Cake. <laughs> a specific cake? Yeah, um, there's a lot of cakes. Think like. What came to my head was Battenberg, but I don't even think I've ever eaten one. Um, so I'm going to say... So old school. <laughs> like, I don't know, like some sort of mint chocolate chip cake. Okay. Nice. We'll take it. Um, okay, if you didn't skate, what would be your sport? Football. Fair. What position? Up front. Glory. Yeah, <laughs> because I just want to skate. I would want to score really like technically amazing goals, like skateboarding with tricks. Like I would want to do something really cool. Glory hunter. Yeah, you could still make your videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like trick shots. Next yeah. time me and Rona meet up, we'll be videoing ourselves playing my rugby, <laughs> passing to each other. That's well, not as glamorous. Um, cool. Right. Final question. What's your star sign? Scorpio. Oh, we haven't had a Scorpio, I don't no. think. What do we know about them? We only know about our own star signs. So if yeah. somebody says anything that's not our own, then we're like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> I think I hold a grudge. That's okay. a Scorpio yeah. thing. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. You want to don't get our bad sides. <laughs> I'm trying not to do it so much, but I definitely did it as a kid. I believe in it all. I literally live my life by what a Libra does. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to show you that under my... What I prop up my laptop. <laughs> this is so funny. What I prop up my laptop on is this book. Oh on- my God! <laughs> you have this book? This yeah, like, it's so good. This is my crazy wife's book, and yeah, so like I'm pretty sure you could find a lot of really interesting information about Scorpios in here. <laughs> like we didn't even plan ever. this. <laughs> You're our favourite guest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's just cut the mine. rest of the series. It's not. Yeah. It's not mine, so I can't really claim it. I mean, I've never really read any of it, but this is about Scorpio. This is the day I was born. Forget your own wishes occasionally. Give unconditionally, but don't be a football. Express your talents, thereby thereby avoiding frustration. Demand what you need, but be accepting of what fate serves up. Legit. Yeah, that gets my laptop to eye height. Well, I think I think we've peaked on the juicy cues this season, so yeah. smashed it. No, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast on your lunch break. We really appreciate it. It's been yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Cheers, Lucy. Nice Cheers, hang out. Nice to meet See you later. You. Bye. Because we are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister, boat laureate. We're on the move, and I'm telling you, the glass ceiling's going. We're coming through. Rise up, eyes up, take the stage Play your game, don't be afraid We're a work of our, our Jones of art Always be proud of who you are